powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sports. Salut tout le monde. Hey everybody. Now that was um, <coughs> fun. That was a uh, quite the uh, quite the game. But hey, th this is all good. This is in the long run. This is what you want to see the Montreal Canadiens do. Maybe not 10 to 2, and maybe not the way they did it in December. But uh, long term. I'm sure all of you are watching the World Juniors. You know what's at stake here. We're talking about a generational talent. So it would be fantastic if they get a shot at that. As per usual, Claire's in the chat. Because Claire's awesome. So is Robert and so is David. Um, if you have any questions, don't hesitate. I'm going to keep it short and sweet tonight. Just because I don't know how much more Hab stuff all of you can handle. So we're going to go ahead and... Um, jump into our ad copy and get right into it. We're obviously going to talk about Cole Caulfield. We're going to talk about what you want to see next year as well, because it's been a, you know, kind of a confusing year. And uh, we can talk about our best moments, our least favorite moments, puts in mango, whatever you want. What a bet. You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. The NFL is in full swing. You got uh, World Cup just ended. Now you have the hockey season that's about the halfway point. You can bet pre-game, live in-play. There's also a ton of prop bets. And um, it's made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Um, head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. I'm waking here. <laughs> uh, all right. So, bonne année. Salut, Maxime. Bonne année. Oui, absolument. Écoute. Puis l'autre affaire, là, je veux dire à mes, mes amis, mes francophones, moi, moi, je vais commencer à pousser pour faire des, des game over en français. Là. Je trouve que ça serait intéressant parce que j'aime mieux sacré en français. Ça va tellement mieux. So, for those that don't understand what I just said in French, I just said I love you all. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, all right. So, tonight, rough game, obviously. Cole Caulfield on pace for 47 goals, though. So, that's pretty exciting because we've seen recently... If Caulfield and Suzuki aren't going, the rest of the team is not going. So 47 goals, I don't know if he's going to be able to reach that, honestly. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult just because nowadays teams are really honing in on, on these two guys. And it makes sense. It, it makes me think of back in the day with um, Max Pacioretty, essentially. If you shut down the Arnaz line, game over, right? So obviously the Canes are early part of a rebuild, but... It would, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see those guys find the rhythm a little bit more because they're going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting going forward. Salut! Hey, Paper Dolls, how's it going? Paper Dolls, always here. So, let me know what you thought about Jake Allen as well because I think he's injured. Like, I don't... It's always sketchy to, to start speculating about health. Mais mon Jacques Alain, là, did not look very good tonight. I felt like he was, you know, his lateral transitions were just off. And... I also feel like Saint Louis wanted to give Montembeau the night off no matter what. But leaving your starter in for nine goals, I guess, you know, it's nine goals or seven goals. What are you going to do, right? It's, uh, you know, it's always a different, uh, let's see, what's the word for it? Uh, anyways, I'm forgetting my idioms. But I feel like there's something going on with the goalies, if I'm being perfectly honest at this point. Yeah, Alan did not seem steady. <laughs> hey, Nick Leroy. Hey, the Bruins are having, like, one of the best seasons in... NHL history, remember? The Canadians aren't, so this is your time to shine until Connor Bedal scores on you for the next 20 years. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to also talk about um, the best moments of the year. So, one of the things that I wanted to do was kind of go over the transition of the Montreal Canadiens. So, 
we're going to talk about from the moment Jeff Gordon got hired and obviously Marc Benjamin got uh, fired and, and kind of the, the steps they've taken on the ice since then. As Paper Doll says, and Claire, yeah, Allen looked off, right? It's not just me. And I'm not going to trade him tonight because that's a little unfair. But I think we also saw kind of a normalization of the season because the Canadians, let's be honest, they didn't... They, you can't use deserve in sports, but they probably shouldn't have won as many games as they did to start the season. Now, here is the great part. Um, the Montreal Canadiens also have the... Not, not, not only did they have the worst December in the NHL, like according to the underlying numbers and the, the standings, they also have the most difficult strength of schedule from here to the end of the season. So fans of the tank, fans that are watching Joshua Roy score uh, alongside uh, Connor Bedal right now, by the way, Roy scored a goal, um, you'll be happy to hear that because really, statistically speaking, the Canadians have a very healthy chance at finishing in the bottom three. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of suck. <laughs> you know, they're going to have to really focus. But uh, honestly, it's within sight. And Jake Allen, even though he's, he allowed, what, nine goals tonight, he's actually one of the best goalies in the league in terms of goals saved above average so that again i don't want to insult them but that should normalize a little bit too well today went a long way in uh in in normalizing and as jen says today was probably the first giving up example i've seen under saint louis it kind of reminded me well i was going to try to think of one game under sham but um <laughs> it reminded me of that whole thing but you know we haven't really seen the canadians give up like that and that that was a little disheartening to see. However, you want to see your young guys play well, and I think that Cole Caulfield absolutely played well. Uh, <laughs> yes, the Bruins can absolutely dunk on the Montreal Canadiens. I, I, I feel like that's legitimate, um, especially since Pasternak is becoming, in my opinion, like a mini... I was going to say a mini Ovechkin, but like, you know, he just has that ability to score from the same area, and you can't stop him. So that is always fun to see. I always wanted Pasternak to be drafted in Montreal because it rhymes. <laughs> All right, my, mes amis français comprennent ça. So, moving on to um, the rest of today, I was actually wondering what everyone thought about the Uri Slavkovsky situation because uh, today, Philip Mishar, two big, big assists for uh, Slovakia. They lost to Switzerland, but they're advancing. They're advancing in the medal round. And that's important because last year, Slovakia, if I remember correctly, they were tied for the last playing spot, but they lost out because of goal differential. So to me, though, it kind of feels silly now seeing Slavkovsky out of the top six and not at the World Juniors. I, I don't really understand what's going on there. And I, I under, we shouldn't panic. No, no, really, no, no reason to panic. But um, I, I just feel like they're giving a chance to every veteran, or a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chance to every veteran that hasn't scored since the Soviet Union fell. And <laughs> why wouldn't you give that chance to Slavkovsky or Richard? I'm being a huge, G, uh, you know, couch GM, and it's a lot easier that way. But I don't understand the insistence of, uh, you know, propping up those, those, those veteran wingers. What's the best that's going to happen? Your pick will go from the fifth round to the fourth round. Ça vaut pas la peine. Yes, Ghoulie Nation is in shambles, paper doll. I, it's unfortunate because I thought Caden Ghoulie was having pretty much, like, just the best possible scenario season for him. Um, he all his points are came at even strength if I remember correctly. He's a top ten rookie even strength scoring. I mean that that includes forwards. So he was logging so many minutes and and Caden Gooley has the ability 
to remain stoic while, you know, he's the guy, everything is fine there while, while everything's on fire, but he means it, right? So he's so focused, laser focused. I know this will bother him, but it will help the tank. I'll be honest, because even though Goalie doesn't have the best underlying numbers, I think we can probably point to the cause, um, you know, overbearing usage. Like the guy has been playing 25 minutes a night, you know, he went from the WHL, from the Oil Kings to the Canadians. See, that's a heck of a step up. So I, I really hope it's not serious in his case. Obviously, knee injuries um, are always a little sketchy. But if I know him, he'll want to be on the ice as soon as possible. Yeah, I like that point by Jen. Um, Alex Ovechkin muted. And you know, you know, you know what's so cool about Ovechkin? And I think... Obviously, we're not, you know, there's the whole political side, which is a minefield. We're not going to get into that right now. It's a little late in the year to, to talk about. Maybe tomorrow morning. But, man, he's got that passion for the game, right? And I often dream of what it would have ended up like if he was in Montreal. Because I, I, I and again, I'm not taking anything away from Washington, but I think he would have became, you know, one of the, well, he still is one of the most popular athletes. But he would have been pretty crazy in Montreal. Just as, remember the All-Star game? He wore a fisherman's hat and, ha like, Habs fans lost their minds. So that was really fun to see. And, yeah, his muted celebration, what's important here is that he is an enthusiastic guy. He loves to celebrate every goal. And I love that. Like, I I loved all, all the moves. You know when he scored and he, the stick was on fire? I love when Timu Solani, when he scored his 76th, the sniper. Like, I love players celebrating, but that was a proper time to mute it a little bit. You could tell. I mean, the Canadians are already at uh, New Year's brunch, you know? So, unfortunately, pour les mamans, um, it wasn't the best game. But I'll tell you right now, the mothers don't care. Like, they, 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 they actually will be able to provide their children, their grown children, um, their adult large boys. Uh, they'll, they'll be able to actually console them a little bit, which is, for every mom, that's kind of a, a fun thing to do. Because you get that, you know, in junior hockey, your, your, your son essentially gets... I was going to say ripped away from you. They're not Jedi, but, you know, your child goes away, lives with another Abilet family. So you kind of lose those developmental years. And um, it's always nice for them to, you know, I love the idea of the mother's trip. Serieux, very fun. Carl Willier, non, mais, que je vais répondre ça en français. On n'a pas encore décidé de faire un game over en français, mais moi, je pousse. Moi, je pousse beaucoup parce que vraiment, là, honnêtement, je trouve que c'est... Moi, quand je travaillais pour les Canadiens, on faisait un peu les deux, anglais-français. Mais là, à cette heure, évidemment, euh, ceux qui nous payent, ils veulent en anglais, mais je vais pousser. Je vais essayer de faire mon mieux pour... Euh, au pire, aller, on peut en faire deux, trois durant l'année. Ça serait vraiment intéressant, d'après moi. OK, so, Paper Doll saying, saying here, huge issue for Slavkovsky has been a lack of consistent line mates. I agree. Now, you know the two players that he's played with the most, right? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow the chat to figure out the two guys that Yuri Slikovsky in his rookie season has played with the most. But last I, last I checked, it was 18 different line combinations for Yuri Slikovsky. And the one where he played with the most, which you're going to give me the answer in the chat, um, I think it was like 65. It's not a lot. So essentially... You know, his usage has been as bumpy as a Montreal road in the summer. You know, it, it's really been confusing, I think, for him. They wanted him to find his rhythm, but it's kind of difficult to do when you're getting the carpet pulled out of you all the time. And the other side is that, why wouldn't you give him a little bit? Like, what are we losing here in 9-2? As someone just mentioned here, you know, the 9-2 loss really sucks. And I get it. So, Sammy, it sucks. But that means... 
if the veterans have checked out, maybe you give the youth a little, the youth, jeez, I, hello, fellow youth, but maybe you give a guy like Anthony Richard a shot back in the lineup, because I don't think he had the best last two games, but hey, man, he's trying, come, he met Lefort, and that's what's important, he's actually trying, so to me, um, yeah, Evans is one, there you go, Paper Dolls got it, Evans is one, So for me, honestly, I'd like to see just a little more fight from the get-go from the Canadians. Um, Habs fans are okay with the Habs losing this year. And this is going to sound so stupid. Well, like most things I say, but it's all about losing the right way. All right. So tonight was not the right way whatsoever. It was a difficult, you know, but it, it kind of put the punctuation on where the Canadians should be at this point. Because they really shouldn't be this high in the standings again, and they aren't. But with about, what, 45 games to go, like, the outlook is gloomy. But for fans of the draft, this is the best possible situation. Just to let you know, the Habs controlled under 40% of the high danger chances in December. Um, like, these are notes that I, these are percentages I created in high school. You know, this is like my realm. But they aren't skipping every single class. And, um, you know, their expected goals was at 37%. So... And the crazy part is they've controlled, I believe, about 50% of the goals this season. So they've gotten a ton of, of puck luck. Samuel Montabo and Jake Allen held the fort. Um, and let's be honest, it's all about raw talent for their goals. So Suzuki and Caulfield. And I don't want to throw any grenades out there, but I'm going to soon investigate whether it's time to split those two up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in Montreal, but it could be the time to split Caulfield and uh, Nick Suzuki up because... It's really difficult to find someone that actually jives well with them. Um, Kirby Doc does. But then, without Sean Monaghan in your lineup, basically, um, you're missing centers. And, um, no, Dvorak's been pretty decent defensively, but offensively, it's been a struggle. So, I, I would perhaps start the new year. And I, and I know Habs fans are probably thinking, like, geez, you're going to ruin the only fun thing? Yes, absolutely, going to ruin it, but in the interest of the future. So you want to see who can work with him. Maybe a Slavkovsky could work with Caulfield. Maybe Doc and, Doc and Caulfield, and you bring Suzuki to another line. Um, I think Nick Suzuki can essentially play with anyone, and he can provide better defensive play than most of his teammates. So I would be interested in, in splitting those two up. I, You know, it's funny because they they are going to be the foundation for a long time. And everyone assumed it was going to be like a Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves thing. I don't know if I see that just yet. So given given uh, Suzuki's playmaking skills, he could help some of the 700 veterans score a goal. And then maybe a little bit of an easier usage for on the second line with Doc and uh, Caulfield would be interesting. Yes, so as Jen points out, she's saying um, competitive close games like we had to start the year were great. Yeah, fun to watch. The the Habs were like chaotic fun at the beginning of the season. And now a lot of that, again, was la chance. Guys like like Montabo playing out of his mind. But they were fun to watch. And that was the right move for Montreal. Habs fans can handle a rebuild as long as it's like a little bit fun to watch. So um, the last few starts, as Jen points out, are a confidence killer and they do make you want to turn off the TV, right? So, but if guys like Richard and Slavkovsky get a legitimate chance, you know, I know the Habs have been scoring on the power play, but like, do you really think that's going to be sustainable? Um, maybe 
you prop those guys up and you kind of forget about getting a fourth round pick for Dadanov. No one's going to give you anything for getting Dadanov. I think the the really what Kent Hughes is trying to do is not retain salary. That's like his only goal is to not retain salary and there's value there long term, but it becomes comes to a point where you know, is the value of, of not having that extra cap space long term more important than destroying their confidence? Like I think Nick Suzuki is incredibly frustrated right now. It's a big test. He's a very young captain. And trust me, like this guy does not get rattled very easily, but he loves to win. Caden Gooley loves to win. Cole Coffee, these are guys that are just obsessed with winning. So there's the confidence side we have to uh, even out with all of that. Yeah, as Claire points out, uh, it didn't work out too well when they separate. I agree, but it hasn't been much of a trial. Um, Paper Dolls also saying, not sure Caulfield knows how to score without Nick. Other way around. Uh, okay, fair enough. I think I think those two actually just don't work defensively. I think that's their biggest woe. Um, and we're not seeing Suzuki control the middle of the ice as well as he did last year. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's worth a shot, but... You know, when we talk about spreading the talent, there's not a lot of talent to, to, to spread around. It's more, uh, it's closer to a farmer putting manure on his fields. So you really have to, to be careful where you go. But I don't see the issue in giving it a shot. And it'll give writers something to write about. Yeah, well, Jen Jen points out you don't want to see either demoted or, or, or dropped or whatnot. And absolutely, I get that. But I feel like St. Louis tends to roll his lines like pretty evenly in terms of the, at least the top nine. Right, so whatever line Safkowski isn't on, they 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 get good minutes, and um, yeah, so I wouldn't worry about that too too much. Who paper dolls? Who are you saying? Someone looks lazy. Who who looks lazy and slow and lazy? Me? I mean, fair enough. Who looks slow and lazy? Uh, are you probably talking about Suzuki? No, 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 no. So c'est de la bouillie pour les chats. So. Um, Colin McDonald in the chat mentioning here, unfortunately, it's going to be a year of waiting to unload contracts for players not contributing. Yeah, but, and I don't have Cap Friendly in front of me, but I believe, so we have Drouin, gone. Um, and I love my buddy Drouin, but it's time to, you know, it's time to cut the cord there. And yeah, quelqu'un d'autre, who's the other person that's very, very, very gone? Okay, well, first of all, you know, Josh Anderson, he's gone. He's going to be traded, I believe. I don't have any inside information, but I know, like, for example, the, the the Flames are interested in him. The Devils are interested in him. So he fits the mold of, like, a playoff guy perfectly. And um, Sean Monaghan, if he can get healthy, which I'm starting to look back at that game in Vancouver and be like, wow, that was a cool story that might have tanked a first-round pick. Because when you look at the trade market right now, there's, what, Bo Horvat? And then as centers, that's it. Like, you have Sean Monaghan and Max Domi. Because Jonathan Taves is probably staying in Chicago. So, you know, that that was kind of frustrating from a um, asset management standpoint. I understand why you want to play against Vancouver, but you didn't have to play him the next night, right? That that was that was a little uh sorry, um yeah, Vancouver, right? No, Calgary, Calgary. Ça va bien mon affaire. They didn't have to play him in Vancouver the next game. Okay, as John Wayne points out, okay, we're getting we're getting to the meat, meat and potatoes here. So there's obviously Monahan, Dadanoff. I, I still like that move for the Canadians because, you know, um, they got them out of a jam with Weber. Uh, although I didn't like the way it ended with Weber. I feel like he just kind of like disappeared and anyways. But um, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out. And I feel like he's one of the guys that's actually played well, but it's been a little bit unlucky. Paul Byron, malheureusement, he's not, um, 
things are going actually pretty bad in his rehab and it's really sketchy with hips. I was talking to a surgeon about, you know, just when a player gets a, a hip injury and he was saying knees and, and shoulders, like this is the most rotation you can do on your body, right? Is that, and that's very difficult, but there's not many things that have as much stress on it as your hips. So they have to be structurally sound. Look at me, look at me being all medical. And um, it's one of the toughest, other than back, I'd say it's probably one of the toughest things to uh, to rebound from. So we wish Paul Byron, Ottawa native, uh, used to go to Le Bup in Getsno, um or Hull. We wish him a very good rehabilitation because Paul Byron scored some of the coolest goals. Like his goal against Toronto, where he's on the breakaway, shorthanded, game-winning goal. <laughs> like, I mean, that was just magical. So cheers for um, Paul Byron. And I hope this isn't the end of his career. But honestly, and, and you'll hear this a lot, Paul Byron, say, aren't they bon? He's one of the, see, I'm jumping back into the bilingualism. See, he's really one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I remember once I was actually having a tough time in Brassard. I was just getting some bad news from back home. And I, w I was actually sitting out in a field, um, you know, just kind of getting my head straight. And Byron actually came by just like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? I just want to make sure, you know, and I thought that was like, he drove and then turned around and came back. And I was like, no, no, that's fine. I'm just thinking in a field. And to me, that was pretty darn cool. Oh, Hoffman. Is Hoffman gone, Claire, this year? No, he's, no, Hoffman Yakov. All right, I'm going to, you know what? One, one, I can just pull up cap friendly, like a big boy. I believe Mike Hoffman has several years left. Or at least two years left. One year left? How many years left? Oh, and also, don't forget, I think, personally, they're going to buy out Armia. You have no choice at this point. Um, it'll come with about $2 million in, in, in alleviated funds. And also, it'll help you sign Cole, Cole Caulfield, who's on pace for 47 goals. 47 goals. I mean, and Montreal has some of the worst underlying numbers in the modern history of the NHL. So that's pretty... Imagine what this guy could do with an efficient power play. We saw it the last few games. Um, and a team that doesn't absolutely... That isn't the bunch of suckiest sucks that have ever sucked. I think Cole Caulfield can do some magical things. Okay, one more year on Hoffman. Yeah, okay. One more year on Hoffman. You know what? I'm going to say this about Mike Hoffman. I don't think he's been an issue, the issue whatsoever. Um, I know everyone loves to pile on to, to, to Mr. Hoffman. But in the grand scheme of things, like in the pantheon of, of useless wingers, Mike Hoffman is, is, isn't even close to being in, in that lineup. So I don't mind him this year. And actually, believe it or not, his underlying numbers are probably the best on the team. Like we're talking about the Habs control like 60% of the, the, the scoring chances when he's on the ice. And the team itself controls about 40%. So if this guy was Suzuki, we'd be singing his praises. We'd be saying, man, he's good. But um, unfortunately, Mike comes with a little bit of a stigma in that he looks lazy out there, and I kind of get that. Yeah, so as Paper Doll says, he's been, you know, playing well enough, you know, well enough. Okay, so Hoffman and Edmonton. Oh, is it Edmonton as well? See, I said we weren't going to get rid of people in trade. Let's go take a look at Hoffman or Edmondson. Canadians. Cap friendly. Watch Mark Google on New Year's Eve. Okay, and also don't forget, um, now they know what's going to happen with Price. So, Lanipasi, last year they actually had a deal in place. Who was it? Before they made the Monaghan trade. Someone can remind me in the chat if they know. But they had a trade in place 
but they didn't know if Carey Price was going to be retired or not at that point. So they actually nixed it. And once, obviously, once the Monaghan thing, they knew about Price at that time. I know they only announced it a little bit later, but by then they they knew. So it's funny, you can look back there and see how terribly they lied about it. Not lied, obviously. I didn't mean it that way. They were just uh, like terribly coy about it. It did not work. Okay, so next year you're looking at... Okay, there's about what, 70 million, okay, okay, with with buried cap. So you can, it's going to go up to 83, um, and that's with 17 players. Obviously, you know, there's time to see what guys like Yulunen can do. There's a lot of people knocking at the door. So if you can move Josh Anderson, which I think you can, you're getting another, what, what's Josh Anderson, uh, 5.5 until 2055. So you're going to have about 15 to $20 million to work with, which should be, pretty fun for him and don't forget other teams will be cap strapped so there's going to be an opportunity for Hughes to to Monaghan it one more time um teams the biggest commodity in the NHL right now is cap space so the Canadians should have a decent amount of that yeah as as Nicholas says yeah the, the thing with Hoffman is that and I I used to live in Ottawa so I watched him play a lot of games like he this guy scores and he's no offense to Cole Caulfield, who, by the way, by scoring 20 goals um, before the age of 22, I believe he turns 22 tomorrow. So that's pretty cool. He gets to celebrate his birthday with Mama, Mama Caulfield. Um, he's the third Canadians player to score 20 before the age of, or at the age of 21. So Stéphane Richer and Guy Lafleur. That's it. End of list. Popeir, so Popeirs too. Uh, you know, again, especially since it's one of the youngest teams in the league. But yeah, okay, so going back to that, what, what I was going with this is that Hoffman's the only guy that scored 20 goals six years in a row. Like, and he's going to do it again this year. So as much as we criticize him, and I know he's an easy target, um, I really feel like it's more of a reputation thing in his case. Yes, he shoots from everywhere. Like, this guy is the Danny Heatley of 2020. If he's in the corner behind the net, he'll, sh he'll shoot. But for a team that doesn't put a lot of shots on net, doesn't create a lot of scoring chances, eh, that's not my biggest worry. So I actually think Hoffman's been pretty good for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, okay, so as John Wayne points out here with Edmondson, Edmondson's going to, in my opinion, see, there's a risk because you don't want to gut your entire locker room, right? You don't want to gut, take out, like, the few people that are actually being a mentor. And I think just by looking at Edmondson, he's such a nice guy. When I was at the red and white scrimmage, um, I was looking for hot dogs, actually. I was in the, the Salon Jacques, Jacques Beauchamp, and uh, Caden Goley came by quick chat and then Edmondson came by and he was just like the he was like hey nice to meet you and he was like he was excited to meet people so to me that just shows you know I like how when athletes treat us little people as people it's always fun and I honestly do think that he, he's an, he's a mentor me at one point if you're gonna get a good pick for him make it happen and um I think from what I heard John uh, the price will be about what you, they got for or what Saval went for back in the day or maybe Ben Sherratt so, you know, like we're talking about a first round pick here. Good, good chance. However, the one thing that might hold back these trades is that everybody knows the next draft is going to be amazing. You know, top five in that draft might have gone first overall last year. So, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to pry those out of their hands. But I will tell you now that the Montreal Canadiens are in pretty good position to, to get another first. Whether it's Edmondson or Sean Monaghan. Again, he has to be healthy. Um, or a combination 
or even the year after if, if teams aren't willing to, uh, you know, you can defer it if teams aren't willing to draft next year. But Kent Hughes has made it quite clear he wants a third first round pick, which would make five in two years, which is pretty amazing. Oh, and speaking about first round picks, um, anyone watching Philip 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 Meshaw at the uh, the World Juniors because he's picking up steam and that is fun. Okay, as Paper Dolls mentions here about Edmondson, yeah, he seems nice. Okay, that was just me trying to be like, yeah, they're human. But if we go in the full like, you know, business style, yeah, Debara come get immediately trade him off. Um, especially because there's a myth about these type of defensemen, even though the numbers are horrible, um, you know, that they're, they're rough and tumble. And I think there's actually more value to that in the playoffs because in the playoffs, it's a war of attrition, right? So if you, if you're, I was going to say, if you're pounding a guy, if you're <laughs> constantly hitting the same guy, um, at that point you, you might create injuries, etc. It is a war of attrition. So I think playoff teams, you know, would be interested in his services. Okay. You like Paper Dolls mentions to Nicholas, fan bases choose a whipping boy all year, but the Canadians have had their fair share. Actually, I, I feel like guys like Armia and Dadnov kind of, like, Habs fans didn't even bother to, to get upset about it. It was like, ah, oh, fine. So that that's a little different than usual. But yeah, in Montreal, no matter what, there are scapegoats. Now, I'll tell you this. In previous years, the scapegoats have almost always been the best player, whether it's Saku Koivu or whether it's Max Pacioretty. Um, so it's refreshing, I guess, to see the ire go towards the, the ones that are actually not helping them win. Guys like Yoel Armia, who, who I think he's been playing kind of okay, Kind of okay, yeah. Really buttering it on there. But to me, that was probably one of Marc Bergevin's biggest mistakes. Because when you look at him, his his, his scoring rate was about the same as Arbor Jackai produced in, in the OHL, right? Like, there wasn't much to see there, but they were kind of high off their own supply due to the playoff run. So, And he wins board battles, which he does. He really does. But uh, yeah, c'est la fin pour Yoel Armia. I would, the second the buyout window opens bought out yeah okay and there's a really cool there's a mention here that um oh real quick yeah john meshaw is having a good tournament uh he, he mentions that captain is having a good tournament and joshua Roy, who is probably he's still third in tournament scoring i actually like what i've seen from adam engstrom at the world juniors adam engstrom keep him on your mind he's a guy that will um probably surprise at the next training camp when i got to development camp and i was just you know i like to throw out the numbers and kind of just get a better idea of who's doing what, um, you know, then look them up later. So just so, so my impressions aren't, uh, you know, and they don't have their names on. It's just a little number on their helmet. So the guys that impressed me the most were Adam Enstrom and uh, Anthony Richard. They both had a, just a fantastic, and William Trudeau actually looked really good. But Engstrom is so smooth skating. And we have to keep in mind he's playing professional hockey. An 18-year-old top pairing for Rogel. I, I'm sorry, I... I can't nail it, but which is really impressive because in Europe in particular, well, actually, I don't know why in particular, but just like the NHL, you're not, you rarely get on the top pairing as an 18 year old, unless you're Victor Mete and Marc Bergevin forgot to plan for the future. So, you know, Adam Engstrom, smooth skating. There's, there's like his, like butter, like butter. It's fantastic to see. And he's playing top pairing for Sweden as well. And he's been, he's been a very, very good player. So he's actually on right now. Um, 
No, is Angstrom? Are you talking about Angstrom being overage? John, I believe. Oh, he just turned 19, right? But he was 18. Um, the overager they got this year was Jared Davidson, who, by the way, man, he keeps scoring. Like, he's 20 years old. You want him to score in the WHL. But for fans of the sweet science, uh, he knocked a guy out with one punch tonight. So you don't want to see you don't want to see minor players, you know, get, get hurt. Honestly, I don't. I don't know why I said that with a smile. But uh, Jared Davidson, kind of interesting there. So... Pretty, he's looking like just. I, I, you don't want him to be the Corey Locke of this season, but he's been pretty darn good. Okay, so we're going to. Um, I think that's going to be the end of it because listen, you all have stuff to do. I have stuff to do. All my friends are right off camera. <laughs> but uh, we're going to end it right now. I did want to say, oh, John Wayne mentions that he is 19. Okay, I get it. I'm sorry that he was. He didn't get drafted his first eligibility. Yeah, smart. But I do like, and I like Piterin Nurmi, who's obviously older. He's looked good too. So this is the end of Game Over for this season. I just want to thank everybody because it's been, we've gotten a ton of support. If you want to like, and I forgot to tell you, you got to like and subscribe because I'm 700 years old. I grew up without internet. I had to, um, what do you call it? Encarta. Encarta was my internet. It was, it's like a series of floppies and then we got CDs at one point. So, um, you know, it's pretty darn cool that uh, you're all here. If you want to like and subscribe and do all this stuff that I never tell you to do, that would be great. We're going to keep going next season or sorry, next year and uh, hopefully have a little bit more to talk about in terms of fun. But we get to watch Caulfield come close to a 50 goal pace, which is very fun. And oh, Colin McDonald. Happy New Year. Happy New Year from Vietnam. So does that mean... I'm terrible with time hours. France is seven behind? I don't know why. <laughs> and that means Vietnam is... I'll just count backwards. Anyways, cheers to you. Cheers, Claire. Cheers, John. Cheers, Paper Doll. Cheers, everybody. Uh, I really appreciate all of you. And Robert, thanks for your excellent work moderating the chat. Joyeux Noël. Happy Thanks Tank December. That was a fantastic month for the tank. And honestly, I just hope that everybody has a great new year. Um, take advantage of, of every single day because you never know what's going to happen. So live life to its fullest. It's no better to be safe than sorry. Merci tout le monde. Au revoir. I'll see you the next Montreal Canadiens game. Game over after every single Habs game. Salut la visite.